Okay, hello, and welcome to the first installment of Getting It Done, discussion with EdTech district leaders and how they are responding to the COVID-19 situation. I'm Kevin Hogan, and with me today is Paul San Francisco, Director of Technology for the Owen J. Roberts School District, which is located in Pottstown, just to the west of Philadelphia. For over 20 years, Paul has worked in Catholic, private, and public education, including as a teacher, assistant principal, and director of technology for school districts in the Philadelphia region, and in collegiate teaching at St. Joe's University and Newman University. The National School Boards Association named him one of the 20 to watch educators for his work in instructional technology. Paul, thanks so much for uh, joining with me today for this conversation. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, over the years, we've, we've talked about a lot of different stuff when it comes to ed tech, uh, usually face-to-face -face and maybe even an adult beverage or two. Unfortunately, we're, we're, we're stuck in this situation here, uh, but wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, maybe even to kind of start on the where were you when um, you realized that this was something that was going to be such a, have such a terrific effect on your district? Yeah, we were in the midst of, you know, seeing Montgomery County close right next to us. We were in Chester County. Uh, uh, the governor closed the entire county next to us, which was Montgomery County. And we were, that was the big shock to us because, you know, the county next to us where many of our teachers live now have to stay home with their own kids. So it was like an, oh, wow moment and reaction. What do we do? We kind of knew things were coming, but not to that extreme of, okay, we have the whole county next to us closed. Now what? We're next. Right. So it was, we were actually lucky that we were actually able to prepare teachers, take your laptops home, take what you need to take home, you know, just in case we do close. And sure enough, our county closed the next day. Wow. So what, um, now your district has been, uh, thanks to your leadership, pretty progressive when it comes to implementing technology and having certain schemes. Uh, do you feel like, you were ready for this? I mean, or were there some, some late nights and weekends? There probably were anyway, but. I don't think anybody was actually ready. Our teachers, I feel, were more prepared to handle uh, this kind of learning environment because of our implementation of, uh, you know, a learning management system at the high school. We standardized that. We've trained teachers on that. We've trained parents on that. Uh, elementary, you know, we have Seesaw, uh, we have Google Classroom and we have Canvas at the high school and everybody was on that. Everybody was trained. We actually mandated that a teacher, all teachers, including guidance counselors, nurses, whatever, do a, a, one of their learning management systems in their school. So in the high school, it was Canvas and, you know, the higher grades, school classroom, elementary. So in that regards, compared to other districts who had to scramble and close and do no instruction for like a week so they can do PD for their teachers to learn a learning management system or get the ones that weren't on it, on it. We were ahead of that curve of standardization, getting all PD ready, getting them ready, getting our parents trained. And they were accustomed to seeing that environment. Now, to the extent of that environment's being used, you know, we, we were a two-week, you know, optional learning. Everybody thought we were going to go back. You know, it was that, yeah. oh, you know. And so we were, we were great. And then when we realized this may not end, so then it was a whole shift to how much synchronous learning do we do? How much, you know, grading, it became, it blew up. 
for us. But in, in readiness, I think our district was much better prepared than most districts in our area because of how we, how we were looking at technology as right. that tool in the classroom already. So what, what sort of um, ideas have you gotten out of that between the shift from what was maybe a, a, a super snow day type of scenario into one that's like long-term? What we're taking out is, you know, our teachers are so ingrained in a brick and mortar environment and a blended environment. An online environment for an extended period of time requires more professional development. It, it's just a different shift. You can't do exactly what you've done in your classroom now online. Thing, it, it just won't translate. And you don't want the, the student to become that ultimate teacher where you're just doing assignments and they're learning it, they're doing it, and you're just, they're just asking questions. There has to be that, that blend of online instruction, those, those, those modules that come in, that, those Zoom office hours, those emails. It, it's just a different environment that some teachers really adapted to and other teachers are just struggling because it's, 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 it's a delivery change. It's a real delivery change. Yeah. How about in terms of the age of the students? So I have three beta testers here in my own house. One's uh, a freshman uh, in college who came back from Fordham. Uh, I have a sophomore in high school and then an incoming. And each have had very different experiences. The older two slid in pretty well. Um, the youngest, not so much. And I have a number of nieces and nephews who are in the primary grades, and I think it's a nightmare. Uh, can yeah, you talk a little bit to that? They're struggling in the, well, in the elementary, the lower grades. You know, that's where your reading you know, it is important, and that's where that face-to-face -face is so crucial. And you know, you have to understand that parents are at home working or some have to go to work or they're caring for an, a, a, another relative and they have three or four other children and the attention those younger kids need just for technology wise you know we assume everybody has technology the younger kids may not have a device or that one device that was the ipad of the house did the assignments for school but now is not doing the instruction full day for school and and that's hard on families and you know the elementary teachers are so awesome with instruction you know all teachers are but you know the elementary teachers i have a a real passion for the elementary teachers because they're forming they're forming these young learners of the learning sponges yeah and this environment is kind of hard and sometimes you get on a, a google meet call and the kids just want to talk to each other and it's hard to get them focused when they're in their own environment and they need a parent there also or a, an older brother or sister to help them with the technology to piece and it, it's not as easy as the older kids that upper elementary middle and high they can go strictly online and don't need as much support as those k2 kids it's it's a lot yeah and especially in this particular scenario uh i've been reading a lot about how important the social emotional uh, aspects of all this is do you have any of those sort of uh, strategies in place yeah we uh, some of our especially k2 did a you know an online recess it, uh. it just because 
the, the kids want to get together and they see each other as a class and they want to talk and socialize because I mean, think about it, a lot of these K2, K3 kids have been isolated in their houses with yeah. no communication with, with their teacher, with their student, with a neighbor, with anything, depending on where you live, you know, what your parents, you know, idea of what's going on. Can you see a cousin? Can you not see a cousin? Is your mom a nurse where you can't socialize or social distance with anybody? So yeah. when they get online, you need that social and emotional learning where you let them be, let them have recess. Hey, everybody bring a snack and let's have, you know, our, our snack buddy, you know, and yeah. do that. We realized that later that we needed to put those strategies in, especially for those, because once you got that out of the way, then you did it in a class, you were able to focus more because the highs and buys, the hellos, the games were, were there and they needed that structure. Right. Right. Talk a little bit about, um, the population of students that you have that uh, have special needs that might be on IEPs, I, that, that must be an especially uh, difficult situation. Yeah, I, I, our special ed department has been great since we have done some video conferencing, in, in, you know, in the past, it was a good transition in and a lot of our paraprofessionals and our special ed and our regular ed teachers do one-on-one -on -one like we're doing right now with those students and really making them make sure they're connected back to those familiar faces you know a lot a lot of students especially at a regular need that FaceTime with their teacher you know FaceTime with their uh with their special ed supervisor and just that connection of checking in with them and the parents loved it because they still saw that connection and then the parents saw what the teacher strategies in the classroom were, then they can take that home and say, all right, I realized that happened with my student there every day, I need to get this here. I need to keep that routine sometimes regular with that student and some strategies at home weren't the strategies we're using at school. So we were helping the parents on that too. This is how you get your child to do that assignment. You know, and it, it has been a partnership between the parents and us. Talk a little bit more about that parent connection. Again, I mean, we've been talking for years about the implementation of technology in schools, and we talk about the importance of professional development for teachers, and we talk about the kids. Um, and it's kind of dawned on me during this whole scenario that we never really talked about the parents. Yeah, they were never really part of the conversation. And now all of a sudden, they're a major stakeholder, right? We need to do more parent professional development. It, it's, it was evident. My superintendent had a um, meeting with all the PTA presidents, our parent teacher organizations, just her. And, you know, we were able to just be quiet in that meeting. And we got honest input from them on, hey, we knew how to use Google Classroom, but we knew how to Google Classroom as a parent. As a teacher, you know, in Canvas, you need to put all your assignments in calendar. It's hard for us when we are this, this teach. So you need, we need to standardize rubrics and, and templates now that when a child and parent logs into one of our systems, everything is kind of in the same place. You know, before it was the students, they were able, oh, I found it here, here, here. You have a parent going, I clicked here and it didn't work. Well, it's over here now. Why? You know, yeah, it yeah. was. Even those little things, it 
it, it, it makes a big difference in a parent's life. Those 10 minutes of searching for something, it could be 10 minutes with another child. And, and how we deliver content and helping them understand how we're doing it. More of a curriculum PD for parents, you know, technology PD for parents. If, when, when this happens again, we need to put series together for them, for our own district on here's how to navigate, here's how to do this, because they were using it differently as a blended approach or a homework approach right. than an instruction approach. Right. Talk a little bit about any silver linings uh, that you discovered in this process. Anything that's been like, oh, you know what? We, we could have been doing this all along or is something that you can apply now. Yeah, it's it's the devices and internet connection. It, it was huge. You know, our district is a suburban rural district. We're we're kind of a larger land district in in our area of Philadelphia, and it it was interesting. We gate we're one to one in the high school. We're one to one going one to one in the middle school, taking home. But we're one to one cart based in elementary right now in middle, and when we put out who needs devices we gave over 800 chromebooks and that's excluding high school because our 1600 seat high school already had chromebooks yeah so 800 families needed another device and some of its needs some of its I, I only have two devices at home or i only have an ipad and a phone that work now i need a device to use for instruction or i have five kids uh, or i have dsl or i use my hotspot or i have no internet Right. That, that was huge in, re, in regards to what we're doing here and really getting people connected. Uh, there were some, we, we have some uh, low income housing, we have some trailer parks in, in our area that didn't have internet at all. Yeah. You know, they were kind of bumming internet off of the free Wi Fi at school or going to the library, which wasn't an option. So we had to have drive-in internet campuses where you could come to campus, stay in your car, and do your work. You know, we also have, we work with Comcast and other vendors in our area to open up hotspots in, and we actually had to give hotspots to families. We also begged neighbors to give passwords out to their Wi-Fi so another person get connected because they were in remote areas. It was, yeah. it, it was, those were the kind of things that were kind of that point of pride that we didn't realize that. We just went out and did it. We had to, I physically had to deliver over 200 Chromebooks to houses because people couldn't get out of their houses. It's amazing. It's amazing. But, it, but you're right. But it happened, right? And it, it had happened around the, the planet. So all those years of talking about digital equity and wringing our hands, like, how are we going to do it? All it took was a global pandemic, I guess. <laughs> and, and, and we need to leverage more of our, in our area, our townships, to provide free internet because the townships control the the, the, the the contracts and the things like that to Comcast and Service Electric and Verizon and things like that, that they need to start supporting more of, we need to provide internet to all. Right. You know, and it's, you know, from a cost, low cost or whatever, we need to do something. Comcast essentials and all were great. But we're not digging that line to the house because it's too far. Well, that's not fair. That's a family that lives in that township that needs right. internet. Right. Even if it's wireless, put towers up, do something right. that we right. can all get connected. Yeah. Well, now, what, uh, 
what are your plans looking forward? That's the big question everybody's asking. Um, is it going to be a mix, or do you have different scenarios that you're that you're preparing? Or so, uh, Kevin, I know you're from Jersey, and you know the Philly area and PA, and we are waiting for guidance from our governor and our county officials. We have, you know, started some planning with our principals and parents and teachers yeah. and whatever. And some districts are going to extremes. They're, they're spending days, hours, weeks on making like 15 scenarios for them. And it could be the 16th that the state puts in. And right now we're worried about virtual graduation for, yeah. you know, our middle, our elementary, our high school. We're worried about teacher support. We are collaborating, but we're supposed to hear in two weeks what, what the plan is for Pennsylvania for schools. And our Secretary of Education has already said he plans to have us open. But with the CDC guidelines, I don't see how we can open because our schools are not equipped. Our buses aren't equipped. Our oh, parents, the buses, is, that's the one that you, you go, oh. No way, right? Everyone's like, oh, do a tiered thing. Well, you can't. Like, it, it, or have the parents drive. Then it, it, it doesn't work. I mean, we can make anything work. Yeah. It's if we have to follow the state guidelines, the federal guidelines, the hours, the minutes, the, the days, the, the instruction. It, it's not going to work. And then the social, the, the, the physical distancing with students and you can't have a cafeteria or you can't do this, but you know, we've looked at it all. And, you know, in Pennsylvania, the, the camp guidelines are more less restrictive than the school guidelines right now. We're like, how fair is this? That <laughs> yeah, glad for the camps, but we yeah. can't have schools right now with that happening. And, you know, we are having scenarios right now and going through, but we let all the Chromebooks stay home over the summer. You know, everybody who has a, a hot spot will keep it. And if they come back in the fall, they just bring it with them. If they don't, we're ready for that online environment or that, you know, do we bring elementary in and keep high school and middle school home so we can, you know, everything's on the table. Yeah. It's just we're waiting for major direction on what to do in, in the future. And it's going to be, it's going to be crunch time in the summer. Yeah. How about the one thing that I've been um, wondering about is that there doesn't seem to be many districts that are doing kind of a continuation of learning through the summer. Is that something that you guys considered or is it just, uh, was just like, you know what, we're just going to take a break and, and come back and. Well, everyone, you know, everyone thinks that's, oh my God, that's the easiest thing to do. You have a collective bargaining agreement with your union. You have parents who are going on vacation or, and had it. Some of them said, we've had enough. We wanted you guys to end at Memorial Day. Why are you going to June 5th or June 15th or whatever? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, there's so many variables that, and a budget, you know, we would have to pay teachers that because they're required by contract to teach so many days. Yeah. Now, if we go into the summer, you know, what does that look like for them, their own families, things like that? I know California has year-round schooling, and they, you know, they're saying they may go back early, and now we're hearing that they're not, maybe, because of contracts. And where's the budget come from? People are out right. of work. In right. Pennsylvania, it's, we have taxes, and, you know, if the housing, the townships, the people pay that. They're not working. 
now we're going to say we have to pay more taxes because we're going to teach more in the summer. Like there's all those variables that need to come together that, you know, we do have ESY and extended school year and we're going to keep those programs and, and do that virtually, but it's not as easy to say, okay, we're going to go another month. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Well, look, we're running out of time here. I want to kind of get a final question, hopefully a glass half full um, answer. <laughs> but when we, when we look at these uh, digital blending that's happening in instruction, do you think um, no matter what happens, whether it magically disappears and we're back in school, or if we have a, another whole year of this kind of extreme remote learning, do you think that these techniques are finally going to stay in place or not? Yes, but we can't go backwards. And like th this, has, this has proven the role that the technology tool plays in a lot of things. I, I, we are gonna change, you brought up special ed, how we do IEPs, you know, we're gonna change how we do instruction right now because of, of this environment. And, you know, we've always had pockets of success. You know, I don't care what district you're in, you know, you didn't have 100% participation with people using technology to this degree. And now we do, uh, you know, in, in some level. And to go back to the brick and mortar and say, okay, we're just gonna go back to this instruction of just lecture and maybe using technology here and there not going to happen it's going to be more involvement of hey we have a student that's sick at home we're on we're on the calls like this we have a situation whatever or you know we're even thinking of starting our own you know cyber school within the district because some people may think hey this environment is good for our students and you know we have some cyber schools in our area but why not have our own branded cyber school where we keep children in our own district where they can participate in our own sporting events and activities. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why online learning is good for some kids and they need the brick and mortar for other, you know, there's, there's, there should be a blend that they're exposed to both and hybrid classes, online classes. And I see an expansion of that in our own district. We were doing that before, but I think moving forward, we're, we're going to see more of it. It's not going to be, okay, we're, we're done with this. We're going to put the pandemic plan here, and then we're going to go back. I think they're going to blend in the future, and we're going to see a lot of more innovative, creative ideas come out of instruction. Well, Paul, I really appreciate your time. It was a fascinating discussion, and I think a lot of your suggestions, just the online recess is one where it's like, it's perfect, you know, and I think I'll, I'm going to suggest it for my youngest one because they get on Zoom calls and they don't know what to do, yeah. right? They don't know how to talk. It's like you hand them a telephone. They don't know how to talk on a telephone. It's the same, it's the same thing. So they're like, look, look at my, look at my phone. They're all sharing stuff. <laughs> yeah. They're and, back channeling on TikTok at the same time, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, and the times of those recesses, sometimes it's better to do it in the afternoon or evening not in the morning because you know they all get up you know it, yeah it's, yeah we had, we had more attendance in the evening recess than we did in the morning recess the sure parents the parents were like, is... oh they're like yeah grant, grant on it, it was... get on your screens that's exactly right <laughs> great well thanks again paul and i appreciate it and thanks everybody for watching uh this has been getting it done uh, and i'm kevin hogan we'll see you at the next one